The Teach Middle East podcast is brought to you by Schoolfinder.ae. Schoolfinder.ae is a comprehensive schools directory serving the United Arab Emirates. Is your school a member? Go to Schoolfinder.ae to find out more. Now, enjoy this episode. Hi everyone, this is Lisa Grace and welcome to the Teach Middle East podcast. I am talking money today, but not your money, people. I'm talking teaching your children, your students about money with Ben Bulger from Squirrel. And Squirrel is an app that teaches children how to manage their finances. And we're going to be diving into teaching children how to move from pocket money to prosperity, how to transform your young ones, whether they're your own kids or they're the kids you teach, into savvy savers, investors, and people who can manage their money properly. Because I don't know if you are like me and you made a fair few money mistakes in your life that could have been avoided if you had the full financial education coming up. But Squirrel and Ben and his team, that's what they're trying to avoid our own kids and the kids we teach from having to go through. You are listening to the Teach Middle East podcast, connecting, developing and empowering educators. So it's my pleasure to welcome Ben to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Nice work on your app, by the way. Please remember me when you are super successful with this app. I have been an advocate from day one, soon as I heard about it, because I know how important it is. What gave you the idea for Squirrel? And do you know what? I'd love to take the credit for it, but it wasn't actually it was my idea. So my co-founder, Matt, he has just finished his sort of his education career, 24 years in education. And it was actually a really nice story. I mean, organically sort of built out the classroom where he ran a very manual version of what Squirrel is today in his classroom over a number of terms and just saw the huge engagement that he got from the children, the vast amounts of learning, the the questions and the dialogue that that increased. And he was able to notice things like the delayed instant gratification that children were able to build up over a term and these really nice sort of positive money habits that children were showing over that period of time. And he just basically said, look, I've got to find a way to help more children and also probably make it a little bit sort of less labor intensive for the teacher in the classroom. So we sat down and we sort of brainstormed some ideas and and took his manual version and we've come up probably close to 18 months, two years now. We've got Squirrel up and running in over 20 schools and 5,000 students using the platform. Amazing. So Ben, why you? What's your background? Give us a little intro. So I've been living in Abu Dhabi for the last nearly 11 years now. I originally from London. Growing up, finance didn't really cross my mind. I was, all I ever wanted to do is like, and most young boys would play professional sports. So I was fortunate enough to, to do that for a living, playing professional rugby for, for a living. But just for a few different reasons, ended up sort of leaving rugby and moving up to the Middle East and sort of fell into a career in financial services. Sort of qualified myself up to become a chartered wealth manager, helping individuals, families, businesses for the sort of last decade. And then now, sort of for the last 18 months, I've managed to sort of fall into entrepreneurship, I guess. And I find myself really fortunate to have met Matt 
he's fantastic, fantastic guy, real, real solid and exceptional, inspiring educator. So we've taken his idea and we're trying to implement that to as many children across the world as we can. Amazing. Financial literacy, super important. Not a lot of us older generation, please, I'm not aging myself, but truth be told, I'm definitely not young. Not a lot of us had the foundations, especially in school. And if you were fortunate enough to have parents who gave you that foundation, then I'm sure you are grateful for that. But the fact is, young children need to have financial literacy as top priority. And I wanted to find out sort of like, how can this early financial literacy skills, how can learning those impact a child's life choices, chances even, and their career? I think there's enough academic evidence to show that our relationship with money and personal finance starts from sort of as young as three years old. So it's important that we do start thinking about how we're educating children and the sort of language and behaviours that we're demonstrating in front of children from a really young age. But I mean, essentially what sort of our ethos is, is that we want to give children these financial literacy skills and it's important to distinguish the difference between sort of financial education and financial literacy. So financial education is the knowledge and knowing what to do. Financial literacy is, is the ability to sort of apply that knowledge and consistently do that over a period of time. And we want children to be able to build these financial literacy skills so that they can go out into the real world and live a sort of fulfilled and independent life because money actually makes sense for them. It's not this sort of mysterious sort of subject or topic that just that causes pressure. Financial literacy will allow them to be confident, make informed decisions and allow them to live life on their own terms. And how early is this supposed to start? At what age? I mean, again, I think it'd be difficult to start intentionally talking to a three-year-old about money. But as soon as we can, I mean, especially we've got children on our platform as, as young as six years old. So I think as young as six years old would be more than suitable because they're, they're doing a great job at the minute. Because I'm thinking, have you seen a three-year-old in the supermarket? They want everything. Um, they want every little sweet, every toy. So I was thinking as early as possible, maybe three if you could, right? Absolutely. I think it's just being mindful of the language that we are displaying when we're talking to the three-year-old. So, I mean, instead of sort of saying, oh, no, we can't afford that or put that back, it's more to do with, okay, well, maybe let's work out a way how we can save and get that in the future. So it's just thinking about our wording and making sure that, we're referring to money in a positive way rather than a negative way. And those sort of habits and actions that children then develop will be positive habits and actions as opposed to negative ones. Yeah, I have two sons of my own. And when they were younger, and even now, this is what I say to them when they go places and they want things and they're going, oh, I want this, I want that. I'm like, mommy and daddy have money to buy this. But we're choosing not to buy this because we don't think it's something you need right now. Is that too negative, too strong, too positive? What are your thoughts on that? No, I think being transparent and involving children in those sort of budget decisions or monetary decisions is important. And the fact that you've explained the reasoning behind your decision is, again, is important. It's helping them to understand. It's not just the, oh, no, you're not going to have that. It's, you're not going to have this now for this reason, which I think is, is perfect. Yeah, because I don't want them to grow up thinking that 
Because if we keep saying to them, oh, we can't afford that, we can't afford that, they're going to grow up with this sense of lack. Some of the things, to be honest, I really can't afford them. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I don't want them to grow up with that kind of lack where they think, oh, you know, mom and daddy can't afford anything. Like really every single thing I've asked for, it's we can't afford that, we can't afford that. And so I don't want them to have that lack. But at the same time, I'm not going to buy them every frivolous, silly thing. So normally I say to them, we choose not to buy that because instead we're, we're having this or that or and I talk to them about major things. But what are some of those common misconceptions or misunderstandings that children tend to have about money? I think you probably hit the first one on the head already is that there's this just endless stream of money available from parents and the bank of mum and dad is just the bank that keeps on giving. So I think most parents will probably be able to relate to that one and helping children understand the real sort of true value of money and Essentially, the work that has gone in to bring that into the family is obviously important. I think another one is that children often think that money and learning about money is something that they don't necessarily have to worry about till later on in life. It's just this adult thing that will pick up along the way. And I think there's a huge benefit to the student of understanding this knowledge and starting their financial independence journey from a real young age because obviously as we know the the longer that you've got until your financial independence the more flexibility that you've got the less you actually have to do over a period of time so yeah i think there's sort of two misconceptions are obviously that money is just endless there's an endless atm and realistically it's something that that we need to concentrate on the young children as soon as possible how do we clear up that misconception with our kids that money is not a free-flowing river <laughs> that comes into our house just like that Well, I guess if possible, parents can give their children the opportunity to earn money and actually have to understand the work that goes into getting their money and similar to how the parents have to go out and have money. So I think giving the children an opportunity to to start valuing money and relating the work they put in to the reward they get, whether it's from doing chores or going out and getting a part-time job, that will start to give them a sense of money and what it takes. And then they'll be easily be able to relate. So when us as parents who were going, I'm going to work, that it's a lot easier for them to relate and say, well, mum and dad are going to work now. They've got to go through X amount of hours a week. And that's what brings money into the household. You know, the problem I have, I have a problem paying my kids to do chores. I just, I don't know. You know, it's the, it's the Caribbean mom in me. When I was growing up, my parents didn't pay me to do chores and in my friends, their parents paid them, but my parents didn't pay me. And now I've got kids and I don't want to pay them. So I don't want them to think making their beds and cleaning their rooms and keeping their stuff tidy is somebody else's responsibility. And I'm just paying them to be good. And so when I pay them, that's when they do it. So how do we create that balance? I know this is more along the parenting side, but I'm curious. Yeah, I think that, I mean, there's definitely a lot of validity in that. I mean, I think paying children for things that should be expected of them potentially might be negative. I mean, I I know the reason why I sort of mentioned that, because I know that after speaking to many parents here, especially in the Middle East, it's quite difficult for children to go and get those part-time jobs, whether it's the paper round or working in the sweet shop or whatever. So I suppose it's one of the only ways where parents can really sort of 
instill that sense of money into children. If children have got the opportunity to go and get a part-time job wherever they are, and I think they're huge life lessons that children can learn from a young age. Yeah, I know know the part-time job thing is tricky here. One of the creative things that we're trying to do is to find ways to get our boys to earn money. So they're pretty good at math and pretty much all their subjects, but math in particular. So we're trying to get them to tutor younger kids. They're only 10, but, you know, for a token fee, like five, 10 dirhams an hour, because they've passed through maybe they're now in year six, so they're going into year seven. So they could do some tutoring of year two, three, four, and even five students just to get some little earning so that they can know what it is to earn money. Because, you know, I refuse to pay them for chores because I gave you that bedroom. I gave you that bed. I bought those clothes. You need to now pack them, clean that bed and clean stuff. You can't just expect it to be paid. But I get what you're saying. Talk to me about how you see kids react when they get money in this region. So, for example, they get, you know, Eid gift if they're Muslim or they get some Christmas money or they get some birthday money. What do they tend to do with it? Do you have any ideas? I mean, they get super excited, don't they? I mean, children are children. I think it's just that sort of sense of excitement. They're like, well, what can I spend it on? So, Yeah, I mean, it's important that we sort of help them understand that, again, money is a finite resource. You go out and sort of blow it within a day or so, it's not coming back. And so it's it's important money lessons that doesn't change. It's the same stuff that our our grandparents were were, were telling us, right? But it's important that that messaging is consistent from a young age because children are children. And they, again, they just get this money. It's like, well, what can I do with it? It's like it's burning a hole in their pocket. Yeah, I, that's what I've noticed, especially with my boys and, and their little friends. When they get money, they think purchase first. Oh, can you take us to the mall? Can you take us to the mall? Because they really want to spend it. But here's my question to you. From the research that you've been doing, like when kids don't have sound financial literacy, how does that play out later in life? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's definitely a correlation between people who had a good financial education upbringing, whether that's from parents or inspiring teachers who've taken the time to to have these conversations or people that potentially didn't have that. I mean, there's definitely a correlation between people who've had that education then are likely to be more sort of financially stable than potentially those who, who didn't. I think a lot of the things that we talk about is developing habits and those habits take a long time to develop it is about consistently doing small simple things repeatedly over a long period of time and obviously if you've had that education and someone's introduced you to those sort of positive money habits from a young age you've just had more time of consistently either hearing that message or putting those into play so yeah i mean if we can give these children that knowledge but also the ability to practice those behaviors from a young age we're just giving them a better chance to go out into the real world and hopefully, like I said to you before, live life on their own terms. How early do you think we should start talking to our kids about investing? I think with regards to investing, I mean, we don't particularly have to get into the nuts and bolts of the different types of asset classes and securities. But I just think that introducing children to one sort of the idea of compound interest and how that sort of snowballs over a longer period of time. And potentially the two sort of the opportunity cost of buying something and what that could potentially look like if you invested it. I think that if children understood what 
all that sort of birthday money they might get might look like in 10 years time if they i don't know bought an index fund then they might go you know what i'll hold on for 10 years time because in 10 years time i might be 18 and and then i'll have a x amount of money so I think just introducing them to compound interest when it comes to investing and what that could look like and then obviously the opportunity cost and then getting them to potentially be a little bit more intentional about their decision making and go, okay, well, well, look, you could just go and spend £100 on a toy or a PlayStation game or something like that. Or if you keep adding to, like I said, I've mentioned it before, like an index fund, then this is what you could have later on in life and then maybe sort of see what the decision process looks like after that. Yeah. You know, I worry for my kids who are growing up here in the UAE around such affluence and not having an understanding of how, I don't know, I just, I just get the feeling they don't know what hard graft looks like. Um, I always have this conversation. I try to talk to them about my upbringing. I try to talk to them about, you know, the fact that my mom, like, like my parents and like how, you know, growing up as an immigrant in Britain and that what that was like and all of the, the things, but I, I have a feeling it's lost on them. I have a feeling they're like, that's nice, a story, mommy. That's really cute. Now, you know, when are we going to go off and do something else? Like, I don't know how to make it practical for them, but you're doing something really practical with Squirrel, right? You're taking what we as parents and schools want to teach our students about finance and you're making it practical. So talk to us about Squirrel. Like, how does it work? Because it's not visual and you can't show in the podcast is audio. So you're going to have to be really descriptive, Ben. Squirrel helps in showing the practicalities. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Lisa. I think helping individuals and families for the last 10 years it's very rarely once I've told someone, okay, this is what we need to do, is it them not being able to understand what we need to do? It's often being able to understand what we need to do, but then consistently put that in practice over a long period of time. What separates people who are good with personal finance and uh, potentially people who aren't? And in terms of sort of financial literacy resources out there or financial education resources out there, there's lots out there. There's lots of information. I mean, we've got with the, the boom of AI and obviously the internet and children can go out and get that information. But just telling someone the difference between a, a savings account or why we need to save for the longer term, just giving them that knowledge, in our opinion, isn't going to form those habits that are going to last over a long period of time. So what we've done is essentially create an environment where children are sort of having a lot of time for the first time is they're earning this sort of virtual income. They've got different utility bills that they've got to pay within this game on a consistent basis. They're encouraging and and incentivized to move money from sort of current accounts into savings accounts. They've got to deal with certain risk management where they'll have emergency expenses thrown at them, like the same way the way we do it. And essentially at school, we're going to just continue building out these scenarios where we're putting children in an environment and a safe environment where they can learn, probably make mistakes, learn from those mistakes, and then start to develop and build those habits that are going to hopefully be positive over a long period of time. And, and we're seeing that already. I mean, we give children sort of discretion in terms of the types of bills that they can pay and where they can obviously sort of hire the luxury car and live in the mansion. And as you can imagine, you give the children that, those options at the beginning and they all decide to just start paying the, the top level rent. And then the game starts to make it a little bit more difficult for them, especially on the early stages, to 
make sure you're paying your bills on time. If they get hit with emergency expenses, can they deal with those? I mean, are they able to move the required amount to their savings account? So the game, in a sense, is helping behaviour change because they're incentivized to do all the good habits. And if they are hiring an expensive car or renting the, the, the mansion, then the game becomes difficult for them. And we've seen a huge, like we've got the data that shows how the, the huge drop off in children who were really sort of focused on having the cars and the, the accommodation and buying all the things for their avatar. And we've already seen that it's been fascinating. And obviously, really, we're really proud of all the, the children who are starting to develop much more consistent and more positive behaviours and starting to recognise we don't need to spend money in those areas because we need to be doing other things. Yeah, so for the benefit of our listeners, Squirrel is a platform that actually immerses the students into financial literacy games, not games as in the way you would think of it, but scenarios that would help them to learn how to make really sound financial decisions. Things like paying bills, things like renting a property, vehicle, things like saving for an emergency, all those fantastic things. What age group is it for right now? At the moment, we've got children on it from as young as sort of six years old up to about 13 years old. I mean, our, our plan is obviously to build it out all the way through to 18 and probably add three different versions of the platform that's sort of seven to 10, 11 to 14 and 15 to 18. But change the complexity as we build the platform and children while still getting the same messaging and still developing the same habits will be put into more complex situations um, as they get older. Brilliant. Oh, quick one before we end the podcast. How can people find out more about getting their students onto the Squirrel platform? You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or contact me directly. Email's ben at squirreledu.co. So yeah, just get in touch. We'd love to speak to you and, and we'd love to see how we can help you students. Fantastic. And oh, one more thing before you go. Is there a cost to schools? No, that was one of the biggest things for us. I mean, we wanted to make sure that it was a very inclusive platform and there was too much conflict for us to say you know what we're going to build a or we believe financial education is something every child on the planet deserves but we're going to build a platform that's going to have this subscription and only some people will be able to afford it so it's completely free to school perfect so squirrel is completely free guys i'm going to put all the links to squirrel and the contacts for ben in the show notes for the podcast Go and definitely check it out. Get it enrolled in your schools so that your students can start benefiting from the financial literacy that the platform provides. And obviously, they will thank you later when they're not in credit card debt and struggling and not having any, any emergency fund or retirement savings. So I've seen a demo, a little behind the scenes of the platform. I love it. I think it's a really good idea. And I think if students are introduced early enough, we can avoid a lot of the financial pitfalls as much as possible because people learn and still do foolishness. <laughs> but as much as possible, we can avoid some of the financial pitfalls that people fall into later on in life. Thank you, Ben, for being on the Teach Middle East podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Teach Middle East podcast. 
visit our website, teachmiddleeast.com, and follow us on social media. The links are in the show notes. <laughs>